What's up, Bills Mafia? It is the final countdown to the NFL Draft. You have made it. You've been waiting for and looking forward to this day since the playoff loss to the Houston Texans at the end of free agency. And it's finally, finally here. Congratulations. We have a tremendous show for you guys where we talk to CBS Sports draft writer and former editor-in-chief of BuffaloRumblings.com, Chris Trapasso, to talk the Bills and the draft. We get into some really cool topics and players, and he discusses his perfect draft scenario for the Buffalo Bills and gives us a bunch of names and draft crushes on day two and three to watch for. So without further ado, let's talk some more draft. He is an NFL draft writer for CBS Sports, the former editor-in-chief of our own BuffaloRumblings.com. He has written for many major sports outlets, including NFL.com, Fox Sports, and Bleacher Report, and less than a week away is covering the NFL draft very closely. I'd like to welcome back Chris Trapasso to the podcast. Chris, it is great to have you on again. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, and it is definitely great to be on a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I loved my time there. Huge fan of Matt uh, Warren. He's a great guy. Uh, I, I was reading Buffalo Rumblings for years before I got the editor-in-chief job after Brian Galford stepped down, who was amazing. So it's just really an honor to be on this podcast to talk not just the draft, but also the Buffalo Bills. That's like my team that I certainly follow the closest. Uh, so this hopefully will be a pretty good podcast. Yes, yes. That's uh, I appreciate you doing that, especially because I know of your ties of the Buffalo Bills and uh, and you following them closely. So um, I know it's a busy time of year for you between all the content you're writing for CBSSports.com right now and all the radio podcast appearances. So I'll get right into it. You've been following the draft for a while now. How much has COVID-19 affected the draft process from a player standpoint? I think quite a bit, um, especially because and no one really in this country knew that this was all going to happen so rapidly and it would be so widespread. But I was at the combine and that was right, obviously before everything hit and two things happened. uh, Generally speaking at the combine one, the performances overall were not very good really at any position that, that we've had better performances from draft classes recently. And two, a lot of the big name players, not just, Joe Burrow and Chase Young, but a lot of like mid first round, second round prospects decided not to work out. And it was just strange how that uh, ultimately happened because of the new uh, schedule at the combine. The workouts were later in the day. I think a lot of agents didn't want their prospects or their clients to be the guinea pigs for this new format. Uh, that pushed the combine into prime time. So I think, I mean, everything at the combine was, oh, this guy didn't work out. That guy didn't work out. Oh, well, yeah, he'll have his pro day. Um, and obviously, outside of about three or four teams, that never materialized. So, yes, pro days, the numbers can get fudged a little bit, but you can get somewhat of an idea of the athleticism, the timed athleticism and measured athletic talents for players. So to not have that, um, it's not a huge piece of the puzzle, but it's always nice uh, to get those numbers to give you some idea. And then just for the, the small school or the late round guys, that's when they can really put themselves on the map or on the draft radar. And they just haven't had and won't get that opportunity, obviously, this year. But 
the positive side, it has allowed all of us draft analysts and, you know, general managers and scouting staffs to really focus on the film and the numbers that we got from the combine uh, and don't let a lot of other speculation that goes on when all the scouts and coaches are standing next to each other at pro days or let a, a pro day 40 yard dash move players up and down a board. Um, so that's the one huge positive. And, and I honestly think it will turn into a draft class that we'll look back, look back upon and see that teams ultimately drafted better because I think the pro days kind of cloud the opinions of players a little bit. Okay. So you just today, you wrote an article entitled how the bills can have the perfect 2020 NFL draft. Could you give the listeners some of your ideas for the perfect draft for the Buffalo bills? Yeah. Um, the first two kind of, uh, parts of the plan are to address the cornerback spot. And it's, and I wrote in the introduction of the article that it's a huge positive for Buffalo that this is the first time in a very long time that I can remember, um, that the bills are not going into a draft with a blatant need or a clear roster hole. So when I say cornerback, um, I was mainly writing about that number two, two spot, um, that we have Levi, um, Josh Norman and EJ Gaines in Buffalo, um, that will be battling for that number two position opposite Trey white. But given that Josh Norman's on a one year deal, so is EJ Gaines. They're a little older. They've dealt with injuries and Levi Wallace had somewhat of a down second season. He wasn't terrible, but probably played better as a rookie. I think that's an area that the bill should address relatively early and kind of the same deal at the edge rusher spot. Um, they don't certainly have an all pro there, but I think the top end depth is a little bit better um, with Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison and Trenton Murphy. All those guys though are going to be in their thirties by the time the season starts. Um, and beyond the last few games of 2019, Trent Murphy had kind of been a free agent disappointment at the edge rusher spot. So I think those two, two to begin, those have to be the top priority. Okay, great. So, you mentioned also how the Bills were in the nickel defense 76% of the time. Could you see the Bills potentially drafting, you know, maybe a Kyle Duggar or Jeremy Chin in the second round as their Buffalo nickel player? Yeah, absolutely. And I put that as my fifth point in the plan um, because I don't think right now for 2020 that it is a gigantic need for the Bills because you have Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. To me, I think they have a case as the best coverage linebacker duo in the NFL. And, and anyone that's followed me on, on Twitter knows, or really, I think more people know this now than even three or four years ago, that coverage is the most important element of playing linebacker today. And Milano and Edmonds are fantastic in that area. But if Jeremy Chin or Kyle Duggar were there, and I do believe that one of them will be there. I think they will uh, strongly consider picking one of those two kind of uh, safety linebacker hybrids because, like you mentioned, that I grabbed from Sports Info Solutions, 76% of the time in nickel. They loved uh, Taron Johnson as a slot corner. He's been dinged a little bit in his first two seasons, but you have to be able to match up with tight ends, uh, multiple tight ends in the NFL today. That's kind of an increasing personnel grouping that we're seeing across the league and both of those two guys Kyle Duggar or Jeremy Chen would make a lot of sense and really would impact the defense in 2020 and you know help the team 
in the next four or five seasons with Matt Milano's contract coming up if they can't retain him, um, with Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde being a little bit older at the safety spot. That would be, to me, a home run selection that maybe wouldn't be corner or edge, but would kind of be off the radar a bit position-wise. But looking at this defense as it tries to reload and keep uh, you know, being one of the best defenses in the league, Jeremy Chin or Kyle Duggar would be awesome at uh, 54 overall. As far as cornerbacks go, what would be your cutoff for second round value? I've seen, you know, Damon Arnett. I've seen um, Trevon Diggs uh, land, you know, in that general vicinity of number 54 for the Buffalo Bills. What what would be your cutoff where you'd look at him and be like, I don't think that that's worth the pick in that spot? Well, I do have my top 250 big board out, which obviously is just a complete collection of all my uh, position rankings. Um, but I don't have my cornerback board like memorized right now. I probably should get that out to at least 10 to 15 guys that that I could just rattle them off. Um, but yeah, I think after Trevon Diggs, um, which I think he's going to be one of the most uh, or right now is one of the most polarizing cornerback prospects in this class that there could be teams that have him inside the top 20 and there could be teams that have him in the third round just because he's so big. He's very niche in that he is going to be really physical at the line, um, but maybe doesn't always find the football very well down the field and doesn't have crazy long speed. Um, I think it would make sense for the bills because they seemingly do like size at the outside corner spot. He is more of a, press man player like i said and the bills do run zone a fair amount um so yeah him damon arnett bryce hall from virginia once you're getting into some of the smaller corners uh amic robertson josiah scott from michigan um i think that would probably be a little bit of a reach in the third round but really and i've said this on a ton of radio spots um from like pick 20 to pick 60 to pick 70 somewhere in that big clump there's like seven or eight cornerbacks that I think are all pretty close and finished very close in my grading system that I don't think you're getting that different of a player talent wise at like pick 21 as what you could get maybe even into the third round. Okay. Well, what about some edge prospects that you see falling to number 54? I mean, I know that you recently had uh, Curtis Weaver from Boise state um, taken in a recent mock draft. I mean, what, what, what kind of edge players would you be looking for for the Buffalo bills in that, in that uh, range? Yeah, I mean, he's a first-round prospect to me. So I think that, like, I actually just had a friend recently reach out and say, like, you know, who are your two players that you would really like the Bills to ultimately pick at 54? And it was Jeremy Chin and Curtis Weaver. And, yes, I believe that that corner is a huge need. Um, That was the first in, in my perfect draft plan for the Bills. That was the first part of the plan. But those two players, and more specifically for this question, Curtis Weaver, uh, he just reminds me a lot of Jerry Hughes. He's a little bit lower to the ground, 6'2", really heavy, 265, had a good combine. Three years of insane production at Boise State. Not a crazy athlete, but I think he's an upper-level athlete, knows how to use his hands, uh, bends to the quarterback very well. Uh, I think he could just be a really good pro where he doesn't have to come in and be the number one rusher right away or even the number two rusher. But by 2021, we could be talking about him as one of the better young pass rushers in the league. Some other guys, though, too, Julian Aquara from Michigan or from uh, Notre Dame, excuse me, uh, a little bit of a different player that he's has longer arms. Uh, he's a little bit more powerful than Curtis Weaver. Decent pass rushing moves, not amazing in that area and, and not crazy athletic. 
Um, I could see him being high on the Bills board, and he would make sense. That's I kind of have him graded in the second round there, like middle or back part of the second round. Um, Daryl Taylor from Tennessee is another interesting one in that he was a top recruit, um, is big, 6'4", 260. I think the Bills like size um, on the outside or, or certainly on wow, this guy, like, why is this guy not getting more hype? It's just not super consistent from him. And he dealt with um, a stress fracture in his shin, I believe, throughout the entire season and played through it. So there are like three or four uh, edge rushers that I think in the second round that are still really good players and can be impactful as rookies that could be available uh, when the Bills go on the clock in round two. You know, something that hasn't been brought up a lot as far as the Buffalo Bills needs is um, offensive linemen. And I think it's just because they're bringing back everyone from last season, even some of their depth options. But I could easily see them adding a piece in the next in this draft to contend for the fact that they have so many offensive linemen on one year deals um, that are not going to be on the roster potentially next season. Um, is there, are there any um, interior offensive linemen or offensive tackles that you could see the bills grabbing in, in that, uh, in that two to three round range? Yeah, I think that's a great point. And that bills fans should have offensive line more on the radar because Yes, you're right in that there are a lot of guys either on one-year deals like Daryl Williams um, or John Feliciano, who started at at right guard all last season and was pretty good. He wasn't amazing, uh, but he's on the final year of his contract. Um, And we certainly know that Brandon Bean watched that 2018 season where Josh Allen was under pressure a ton and said, I'm never going to have this bad of an offensive line again. He's been so aggressive building that offensive line beyond just starters, but with depth. Um, I think offensive tackle, most spe- or more specifically right tackle, um, just given Ty Inseki's age and the fact that Cody Ford is probably going to move inside at some point is where the Bills should probably target a player second or third round. My favorite is Matthew Pert from UConn. Uh, he had one of the longest wingspans at the Combine. He's a spectacular athlete. Um, not to the level of Tristan Wirfs or Jedrick Wills from Alabama, but I think he's like a step behind those players. Um, his pass protection is outstanding. Very, very balanced. You see him use his long arms and his athleticism very well. Could get a little stronger, but I think if he came to Buffalo, um, it would make sense that he wouldn't have to play right away. He could kind of redshirt for a season, be the swing tackle, um, and then ultimately assume the right tackle job in 2021 it'll just be with a lot of these players kind of a quick aside here Mm -hmm. that because the bills don't have huge roster needs fans of the bills need to go into this draft realizing that they're probably not going to have a super sexy draft where they're drafting foundational players they already have those pieces in place josh allen tremaine Edmonds, ed oliver tredavious white their last four first round picks those are the foundational players they need to fill in depth and look ahead to 2021, 2022, beyond that. Certainly you want players that are going to play as rookies because the Bills, I, I do feel like that the division is theirs now for the taking. Um, but I think some of the guys are not going to be huge, huge contributors like we've seen for a lot of these Bills rookie classes over the past couple of seasons. But yes, there are a few um, offensive tackles, not as much as some other positions because it's kind of a top heavy position, but a few offensive tackles that could be there in the second round who I would could get behind as a sensible pick for Buffalo in round two. What about, I, I noticed in a recent mock draft before the uh, Curtis Weaver pick, you had T Higgins as a bill second round pick in that mock draft. Do you still think that that's 
a possibility with um, Stefan Diggs now, their number one wide receiver. I mean, they, they arguably have one of the most athletic and talented wide receiving cores in the entire league. Do you see them doing that only if it falls to them, or do you see them actually going for a wide receiver and really trying to just build up that that wide receiving core for the next four or five years? Well, first off, yeah, I mean, I think the Bills now do have a pretty good argument to ha- that they have the best receiver trio, like one through three in the NFL. I mean, I when I first saw a couple tweets about that, I was like, there's no way. And you look around the league, a lot of teams have two really good receivers, but to have three productive players is pretty rare. Um, and do I think that T. Higgins is atop the Bills draft board right now? No, but um, how that mock fell, and obviously I'm, I'm doing all the picks, but how it, 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 it kind of came together was that I've, I've talked to a few people that really believe T. Higgins is going to fall, almost be this draft's DK Metcalf, that going into draft night last year, um, a lot of people thought or were almost felt sure about DK Metcalf going in the first round. He was mocked to the Bills at number nine a ton, uh, and he fell to the last pick in round two. I don't know if Higgins will fall that far, but I think he could be available, and I just wanted to see how a mock would ultimately go for the rest of the second round if the Bills say, hey, you know, we do have other needs. We love our receiver group. But, you know, after being tied to T. Higgins at 22 for so long, if he's there at 54, we have to, you know, be intrigued by that value. I think um, with how deep this wide receiver class is, I would not be surprised if the Bills ultimately do pick a wide receiver. Probably not in the second round, but, you know, T. Higgins, LaVisca Chenault, Brandon Ayuk, if one of the kind of consensus top six or seven receivers is sitting there, I think... Given that Cole Beasley's not 25, given that John Brown's not 25, um, that that will be something that the Bills will consider. In my perfect draft, um, I had them addressing wide receiver later. So I think fourth or fifth round is more um, realistic, but you never know how the draft and who knows if this draft will ultimately be crazier than what we've ever seen. The Bills could ultimately consider that in round two. Well, you know, you just mentioned the possibility of a player with the, as much talent as T. Higgins falling to the, the second round to where the Bills pick. You know, each year in the draft, players with first-round talent fall to the second round. You just mentioned D.K. Metcalf. I mean, it's for a, a, a variety of different reasons. It could be personal issues. It could be injury concerns. Is there a player just in general, whether it's a Bills need or not, that you could see falling to the second round because of, you know— a, one of the potential personal uh, concerns or injury issues? Well, I can't really speak on any of the personal character stuff. Um, That's just one area. And it is pretty important. That's one area of the pre-draft process. It's just hard for me to get credible information about. Um, So I don't usually factor that in or I definitely don't factor that into any of my evaluations. And the medicals are kind of uh, an area that we normally get some info about, but this year it's really an enigma. That's usually more so than anything else what will drop a player. Um, It wouldn't surprise me, and this might sound crazy right now, if Javon Kinlaw, the defensive tackle from South Carolina, I don't know, I, I can't envision him falling to the second round. Um, but I think it could be close because there's some thought that he has some bad knees. He's a little older um, that teams will just be scared off that this power player on the inside that relies so much on his lower body strength and power that he generates in his legs might have 
uh, you know, some knees that are that are kind of older than how old he really is. Uh, I could see him, uh, to me, a top 10 talent in this draft falling somewhere into the 20s. And who knows? I mean, no one expected DK Metcalf to be available at pick number 64 overall. And he was. So Javon Kinlaw right now, and things can change a lot, even in the next five days before the draft, he would be the guy that I think just because of the medicals, there's no character concerns with him um, that could fall a little bit further than everyone expects on draft night. So what about um, players that the Bills could look at in day three or just in general? Do you have any day three crushes from this draft class that uh, guys that you really like would either play for a smaller school or, or just uh, were missing something athletically perhaps? Yeah, I can go through a few of them on yeah. each side of the ball. Starting on offense, um, Isaiah Hodgins from Oregon State, the wide receiver. Uh, you know, I just mentioned that I don't think the Bills will go wide receiver in the second round, but I wouldn't be shocked if they ultimately pick one in this super deep receiver draft. Um, Isaiah Hodgins, he's 6'4", 215. He has kind of the exact same frame and actually play style to that of T. Higgins. He's not quite athletically gifted. Um, but contested catches, high pointing the football, back shoulder. Um, I've written it many times that T. Higgins, to me, is the best in those areas that I've scouted since Mike Evans in 2014. And that in this draft class, right after T. Higgins, in those kind of rebounder type ways, Isaiah Hodgins is probably the second best. He does not drop anything. He has very sticky hands. Um even when he doesn't have to contort his body or go over a safety to make a catch, I think, um, and he's only a true junior, so he's a little bit on the younger side. I think that would just make sense to give the Bills, clearly they want players who can get open. I think his athleticism is, is pretty good for his size, but that he wouldn't have to play right away. They could use him um, as a big slot receiver. They could use him in the red zone. They could just add another layer at the receiver spot, a different dynamic, bringing a six foot four guy to that wide receiver room. Uh, and two players from the same school, Michael Ojemudia and Geno Stone from Iowa. Ojemudia is a corner. Geno Stone is a safety. Uh, Ojemudia, it was an outside corner. He's over six foot, over 200 pounds, long arms, kind of fits the mold of what the Bills uh, like at cornerback and certainly what Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott prioritized for their mostly zone heavy scheme in Carolina that they weren't so worried about press man ability, but can you watch the quarterback's eyes, read route concepts in front of you and strike on the football and make plays. And Michael Ojemudia, they play a lot of zone at Iowa is very good in that area. Tested a lot better than people thought ran sub four five, had a good three cone, good vertical. Um, I think he'll probably be there in the fourth round. He's not getting a lot of, a buzz and then for Geno Stone didn't test well um which was not super surprising but if the Bills want I mean they have Micah Hyde they, they certainly like those Iowa players just because Kirk Ferentz does such a good job preparing those players on defense um for the NFL playing a lot of zone he's just a playmaker he plays faster than his time speed um plays a little linebacker at times but mostly is an inner immediate portion of the field playmaker that just reads route concepts. His instincts are outstanding. His ball skills are great. Um, and he's going to probably be their fifth or sixth round. Uh, I put both of those players to the bills in my perfect draft for them, just because I think schematically they would be awesome fits. Um, and then at the running back spot, and I've kind of been coaxed into this AJ Dillon from Boston college. I 
early on in the draft process, I said, look, the Bills don't have to go with this big boulder of a running back just because Devin Singletary is small. But then I really got into watching A.J. Dillon's film uh, extensively back-to-back with other running backs, and I, he graded very high in, in my system. Had an awesome combine at six foot and two forty seven, uh, four five three speed, longest vertical, longest broad jump. I've kind of mentioned that stat a bunch. Uh, I think he would make sense if he's there in the fourth or the fifth round, and the Bills do want a, a bigger complement. I mean, they've had Mike Tolbert, Chris Ivory, and then Frank Gore uh, as kind of that that battering ram in the backfield. I think AJ Dillon would make a lot of sense. And I kind of have a draft crush on, on all four of those prospects later on day three. Now you mentioned that the bills, uh, you know, in your, in your column that the running back that the bills pick does not need to be at the opposite end of mm-hmm. the size spectrum yep. as Singletary. I mean, what about even not even, you know, size, but style? I, I mean, you mentioned, you know, AJ Dillon just now. I mean, are you okay with them picking a guy that's just like Singletary, a guy that's, you know, uh, more of a speed guy, more of a pass catching threat, like a Chris Thompson sort of running back? Or are you just want them to get the best running back available whenever they pick? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm more so just getting the best running back available and, and that's, but I was kind of saying that I got coaxed into that because initially before I, I watched a ton of AJ Dillon, I was like, this guy's just big. Uh, but then I watched his film and I saw some wiggle. I saw him breaking a ton of tackles. Like he's actually a pretty good running back prospect. So that's kind of why I, I uh, created this draft crush for him because I, I, I saw a big back that also had some good running back skill that I covet um, being able to make defenders miss and having awesome contact balance. But, Devin Singletary was my number one running back prospect last year um, because of those two reasons. He is so naturally elusive and his contact balance is outstanding. And Bill's fans saw that during his uh, rookie season. So to get another Devin Singletary, even if he is a little bit smaller, if it's Eno Benjamin, um, if it's LaMichael Piron, if it's Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who's my comparison for him actually is Devin Singletary out of LSU um, that I, I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire would, I mean, that would be a very annoying backfield for defenses to ultimately have to try to tackle those two running backs. So I think Dylan would make sense because I just think he's a good running back prospect too. Um, but look out for Eno Benjamin too, because he's has a lot of the same traits as the, as Devin Singletary caught 77 passes over the past two seasons at Arizona state um, runs a lot harder and bigger than his size. He's a little smaller. Um, if he's there fourth or fifth round, um, I would be totally fine with the bills having a smaller, but ultimately very talented backfield. So you also have it in your perfect draft for the Buffalo bills, a late round offensive tackle. You have Sa- Sadiq uh, Charles from LSU as an offensive tackle. I've seen Alex Taylor from South Carolina State yep. mocked a bunch. I mean, what are your thoughts on these guys, and and are these uh, also some late round late round uh, draft crushes for you? Yeah, I mean, I I'm not going to say draft crushes, but I think that they would make sense later in the draft, and I like Alex Taylor more actually than I do Sadiq Charles. Quickly on both um, with Charles, he's six four and three twenty one with 34 inch arms like those are NFL offensive tackle measurables. Like he looks like an NFL offensive tackle right now. So looking at what Brandon Bean had in Carolina, they bring in Daryl Williams, they draft Cody Ford. Deion Dawkins is a big, powerful guy. 
he I put him there because I think he kind of fits what the Bills like at that position that you're not looking for someone that needs to gain a lot of weight that's a finesse player and with Sadiq uh, Charles it's like a few quarters he looks like a first round pick and then in the second half, he looks like an undrafted free agent. His balance isn't good. Um, he can't deal with inside counter moves. Uh, his, his footwork kind of is all over the place. Um, but I think the talent is there. And like I said, there are times where he shut down good pass rushers in the SEC. It just was very inconsistent tape. So he's there in the sixth round. You check off a lot of those boxes. I think he's worth taking a flyer on. And then Alex Taylor, 6'8". 310 uh, could certainly put on probably 15 to 20 pounds to his frame and not lose an ounce of his athleticism. That is very, very good for his height. Usually guys that tall, they're playing D-line or O-line. They're very stiff. They can't move. They're just a big body. He glides in pass protection. And he was at the Senior Bowl, really looked the part there. Um, He can deal with counter moves, whether they be an inside swim move, a spin move to the outside. He has like basketball-esque footwork and he would be more of a project than Charles because you would have to um, have him gain a lot of weight and and hope that he doesn't lose any of his quickness but either of those two if we're talking about the sixth round with 2021 and beyond in mind I think those would make a lot of sense to be uh, brought in by the Bills. You know what's great is all of the players that you've mentioned, you know, from running back to defensive end to offensive lineman to cornerback, I mean, none of these guys have to start right away necessarily mm-hmm. based on how Brandon Bean has played. So so a six-round offensive tackle, might people might think, well, that's he'll never be a starter, but they get to basically get a redshirt year with yep. the Buffalo Bills in this system. So that's 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 exciting. That's exciting to talk about. So do, now the draft is less than a week away, Chris. Do you take any time off after the draft, or do you go right into the 2021 draft prospects? Uh, yeah, I'll take some time off. Um, but what's interesting is, like, once the draft's over, that kind of becomes, like, a heavy traffic time for any NFL draft analyst. That, that it's, it's you finally, you've been speculating, you've been doing mock drafts, for months and you can actually look at a full draft class for every team, give it a grade, talk about what picks you liked, what you didn't. You couldn't believe that this guy landed here or this player went in the first round when you had him graded in the fourth round. Um, so after like mid May, yeah, I, I kind of take a step back uh, for a couple weeks. And really though, once we get into July and who knows what's going to happen with this uh, COVID-19 situation, but, Getting into training camps then, too, it's kind of fun to um, see where prospects that are now rookies at that point, like how they're doing at the beginning of training camp, writing up some articles about rookies. I do a lot of young NFL player analysis for CBS now because this is my third draft class um, evaluating it as a whole. Um, But then once we get into July and then certainly August, I start to ramp it back up again and, and try to make a bunch of lists and write a few articles about the prospects worth watching that college football season for the next year's draft. Well, great, Chris. You know, thank you so much for coming on. People can find all of your work, including several Bills-related articles I mentioned earlier, over at CBSSports.com. Where else can they find you? Basically, on Twitter, uh, at Chris Trapasso. That's my main social media platform. Tried to branch out recently, Instagram, TikTok even. YouTube, uh, everything, any of those social media platforms, you can find me at Chris Trapasso. 
Great. Again, it's been a pleasure talking to you, especially as a Buffalo Rumblings alum, um, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. All right. Thank you very much. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Chris Trapasso. He's a great guy and just very knowledgeable when it comes to the Bills in the NFL draft. So appreciate him taking the time. I wanted to give a quick shout out to one of our longest listeners, Ryan in Hawaii, that sent us a care package this past week. Now, he didn't have to do that. He absolutely didn't have to do that, but sent some really cool Hawaiian chocolates with macadamia nuts and some coffee that we will absolutely be crushing during the quarantine. So he also sent us a handwritten note, which I'll share just a few pieces of. I won't read the whole thing, but there were some really cool things that uh, that he mentioned that I wanted to read on this podcast. So Nate, John, and Mike, Thank you guys for taking the time to put together an awesome podcast, especially with the poor national media coverage of the Bills. You folks do the team right. We lived in Buffalo for a few years and enjoyed our time there. The people in the city were all amazing and have many fond memories. Hope you folks stay safe. Take care. Go Bills. Ryan, his wife, and his two-year-old son, who is also a Bills fan, he noted. So Ryan's obviously raising him right, doing a good job. You should be very proud of yourself, Ryan, as a father, as a successful father. (laughs) He said, P.S., if you think your podcast is big now, wait till the Bills win the Super Bowl this year. So uh, love the positivity of Ryan, and I think this is the year anyway. (laughs) I don't know if I've mentioned that before on the podcast, but... uh, Man, man, it just feels good this year. It feels a lot better than it has before. Even last season, I just feel better. So um, thanks to Ryan. appreciate you thinking of us. Definitely didn't have to, but we are grateful for you listening to the podcast and your patronage um, to us. So um, speaking of patronage, we are giving away a signed Ed Oliver jersey on our Twitter account. So follow us on Twitter at ctwpod. That's like at circling the wagons pod. And we will tweet it out Thursday night and announce a winner next Monday. So um, stay tuned for that. I'm going to quick plug for our T Public store. Haven't done this in a while, but one of our listeners uh, tweeted me recently and uh, asked if she could pick up some tank tops from our T Public store, which is amazing for a couple of reasons. Number one, she told us that she was bored of the NFL store and needed some cool designs, and she came to us, which is awesome. And then number two, we're at the point of the year where we can actually think of tank tops, which which seems insane to me but glad that we're finally at that mindset so if you're like that listener and want some unique bills designs that you can't find anywhere else on the internet please check out tpublic.com slash stores slash ctw pod now there you'll find some tank tops t-shirts long sleeve tees hoodies and other options for our josh allen jumping over the haters design our you dig Design for Stefan Diggs coming to Buffalo, our Sean McDermott Trust the Process shirt, and a bunch of other cool designs, including four different Circle the Wagons designs, a couple of Buffalo versus Everybody designs, and our own podcast logo. And we have like 20 more beyond that. So it's really cool. You should definitely check it out just to see what you think of it if you like any of them. Um, there will be a sale in the next week or so. So head on over to tpublic.com slash stores slash ctwpod. So thanks again to Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports for coming on talking to Buffalo Bills and the draft prospects with us. There is a ton of great content coming this week from the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network and buffalorumblings.com. Obviously, the folks over there that, that write our articles are doing an amazing job and will keep you informed of everything. So stay subscribed so you don't miss any 
of the podcast and episodes as we get to Friday's big night. And I'm going to leave you with this. There was a cool back and forth this past weekend with LaShawn McCoy and Tredavious White on Instagram Live, and I'm going to play it for you guys. And it's basically where they were talking about Vontae Davis quitting at halftime. And I'm just, I'm not going to describe anymore. I'm going to leave it up to those guys. So check it out. Thank you guys so much for listening. Go Bills. And we'll talk to you guys after the draft. Hey, look, I'm telling you, Shady, what he told you, Shady? He was like, hey, Shady, when you can't, you Shady McCoy, you cut on the dime. When you can't reverse backfield and the boy start catching, you don't know it's time to hang it up, Shady. Hey, hey, to, to the viewers, so we all know about Levante. He quit at, was it halftime or second quarter? Yeah, halftime. Whatever it was. We, we, um, we first Levante. So the next day, me and Trey went to his house because we had to know what was going on. Yeah. Like, what made you? <laughs> and he said, he said, Shady, I just, I'm out there, Shady, and just, Shady, you Shady McCool. You can't call the dime. It's time to go. It's a young man's game. Yeah. That, that's how he talked. <laughs> hey, my dog, my dog, said, no, nah, man. Hey, yeah. Well, he, he told me on the side, we, we, we came like a three and out. He just made, he just had just made like a big, big stop on third down. He had put his fist up, got the crowd pumping and everything. So we got to the sideline. You know what I mean? Offense going, going. So we about to punt. Coach was like, y'all get ready. He was like, yeah, I'm done, young boy. <laughs> I looked, I was like, hold on. He was like, yeah, this my last go-round. So I looked at him, I was like, uh, what you mean? Like, this your last, this, oh, this going to be your last year? He was like, nah, this going to be my last game. I'm done, man. <laughs> he said, say that boy, say But they said, I'm, I'm done, young Trey, man. Y'all boy, guy, this is your man's game, man. I, I just ain't got it no more, Yo. man. Hey, I heard, I'm thinking heard the whole coach. time. Like, why the fuck would you go through OTAs and camp and you go do this shit? <laughs> Yo, I, heard, I heard he told Coach. He said, yeah, I'm done, man. I'm done. Coach said, wait, oh, all right, you done this series? All right, just come in that series. He said, no, nah, Coach. I'm done. I mean, I'm finished. I'm finished. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills.